Well, a really significant passage for a significant day. What a great joy it is to baptize you both, James and Laura, to welcome your family and happy visitors to the church (laughs) for the first time. Um, Very warm welcome again to you all. The few verses that we've just had read out are about halfway through Uh, Matthew's gospel. Jesus has been teaching and preaching about the kingdom of God, and this is another way to say about liberation, setting captives free, the coming of the kingdom, which is just beauty and glory and health and wholeness and holiness and all of those things that are good. And up to this point, the disciples are largely bystanders, just sort of going along with Jesus, trying to work out what is going on and who is this man. And then he takes them to this place where he is going to do a very deep work. The place is very significant because one of the deeper works that Jesus is doing among his disciples is showing them who he really is. Is he just another teacher? Just another one? Well, they're two a penny, right? There's loads of teachers everywhere. Just another guru? Just another wise man? Just another YouTube influencer? Just another TikToker? Or just another good chap claiming to be the savior of the world? Who do you say I am? Because all of these other categories are kind of two a penny if that's all Jesus is. Just a teacher, so what? Just a guru, so what? Just a YouTube influencer, so what, right? Like, who cares if that's what Jesus is? So Jesus is drawing out of the disciples. Don't forget, they don't have a clue what is really going on, right? What is he doing? He's drawing out of the disciples false expectations that they may have as a needle draws out the fluid in a cyst or something like that, right? I know that's not a nice image on a Sunday morning, but it is a pertinent one. The most important thing to know about Jesus is that he is God in the flesh. This is what the disciples hadn't yet got, and why would they? It's perfectly reasonable, right? I mean, God doesn't turn up in the flesh every day. So it's a mind shift, a big mind shift. So I've got sympathy with them. But if you get that, that Jesus is God with skin on, and therefore what he says is beyond being a teacher, beyond being a guru, beyond being an influencer, a wise person, a pep talker, if if he's beyond all of that, then Jesus is... The way, he said this, didn't he? The truth and the life in everything. So to say that Jesus is merely a teacher is to compare Da Vinci, apparently he did some nice paintings, it's to compare Da Vinci with Banksy. Banksy's quite a good drawer, actually. I mean, he's quite good, but he's no Da Vinci, right? With his stencils. 
But to push the point a bit further, Jesus takes them, as it says in verse 13, to a place called Caesarea Philippi, a place named after Caesars and Philip of Alexandria and so on. He takes them to this very particular place where he may take the metaphorical needle and he's drawing out ultimate truth from his disciples. He's making a really big claim. And the question posed for a baptismal sermon for you, James and Laura, and everyone else here is this. What is your ultimate concern? Everybody has an ultimate concern. And when you discover what your ultimate concern is, you have found what you worship. And everybody worships something. The question is, is it right worship? Or is it bad worship? So the challenge of Jesus is, don't make anything your ultimate concern. Don't make anything your ultimate concern. Don't worship that, just another thing within the created order. But Jesus comes to us as the divine son of God to show us the perfect love of a father who rescues and redeems. Jesus came as God in the flesh to die for our sins, my sins, your sins, that you confessed as you went down into the water, into the grave, so to speak. He alone makes us right before a holy God. Jesus alone. So he's a bit more than just a teacher. He alone paid for our sins. He's a bit more than just a guru at this point. Therefore, Jesus alone is what our life is about. It's what your confession is about. Making Jesus your ultimate concern. Because Jesus is the crux of life. Crux. We get to the crux of the matter, don't we, in things? Crux is the Latin word for crucifixion. Crucifixion. So Jesus is the crux of the matter because the cross of Christ, where he died for you, where your sins were taken away because of his amazing grace, because of his great love, is now the ultimate concern. So James and Laura, you were baptized into that Jesus today. Not just uh, any old Jesus, but the Jesus of history, the Jesus of the Gospels, the one who takes his disciples, as we will soon discover, into the heart of idolatrous godlessness at Caesarea Philippi and says, who do you say I am? Now, some people try to fake Christianity. I beg you both, don't play that game. Don't play the religion card, please. Heaven knows there's enough fakers and takers out there. But Jesus, you see, reserved his most scathing words for the religious types. We're all in danger today, because here we are in church. Those religious types who nitpicked everything. One USA politician, this is slightly ironic, I'm sure, but one US politician said self-righteousness has killed more people than smoking. 
And I think he's about right on that. All right. So, in one sense, these religious types are making the appearance of religion their ultimate concern. Not true religion, which is Christ, but the appearance of it. All the guff around the edges, you know, the frills. And they were missing the point of the true spiritual life. And people do this all the time today. That we are to know in God's beauty, in God's glory, the love of the Father through the Son by the Spirit. And we do that by repentance, turning around, acknowledging Jesus is Lord, as you have testified, turning away from sin and accepting this mercy, this gift, this grace that comes to us not because we're righteous but because we are unrighteous and we need to be made right. This is the beauty of the gospel. Not one of us deserve the next breath in our lungs except for the mercy of God calling us to repentance and faith. So that not just so that we can be corrected, but so that we can actually be made right in our being. We can be made right with the one who spoke life to the universe. So Jesus is Lord. Jesus is now my ultimate concern. I, I want to share a little story about when I, I, I faked something once, and it was concerning a football match Anybody here from Coventry? Can anything good come out of Coventry? I did. <laughs> Coventry are my hometown, but I support Liverpool. Right? Hooray! And um, we were missionaries in YWAM at this time uh, a few years ago. My eldest son, who turns 30 this year, I, uh, uh, came with me to watch Liverpool play Coventry at Coventry's old stadium. But because we bought the tickets through the Coventry end of things, we, we were found in the Coventry fans. And I'm a Liverpool fan. So I tucked my scarf away. And the two goals that Liverpool scored were at the end that we were, right behind the goal. And they were the two goals that knocked Coventry out of the Premier League at that point. I know. So I'm like, I'm there. My team are winning and scoring, but my home team, amongst whose fans I was surrounded by, are losing and going down. So they, Liverpool score the first goal, and I'm like this. Yes! Get, oh, no, look, they've scored a goal. Ten minutes later, yes! Andrew, stay quiet, stay quiet. Faking it. I could have got lynched, right? I could have been lynched on a day like that. And some people do this with religion. Obviously, not an exact comparison. But Christianity is more than a religion. It is a religion, but it's also when religion is properly understood. Because it's not just a system of standardized responses to certain things as though you follow a flowchart to get certain outcomes in life but it's a relationship to a person, the person of Christ, our mediator, our saviour, our rescuer. And for many people, their ultimate concern falls into four categories. 
talked about this before. One of these will get you in the end when it becomes the ultimate concern. Wealth, power, pleasure or honour. Wealth, power, pleasure or honour. They're good things in themselves, but when distorted, become idolatrous and false gods. Or as the Americans call it, gold, guns and girls. One of them will get you in the end, right? If you're not paying attention to your life which is what God calls us to do, to pay attention. So when Jesus takes his bewildered disciples to this idolatrous Caesarea Philippi, which is a place of multiple shrines to various gods, he's making a massive statement. Now Caesarea Philippi is, if you picture Israel with the, uh, the Dead Sea, then the River Jordan, then you've got the Sea of Galilee, they're 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee like virtually in Syria at this point. And from the 3rd century BC, sacrifices were made and cast into the cave of the god Pan, which we will, we're going to see now in a one-minute video, because there were shrines to almost every god there as well. And at the mouth of this cave, sacrifices were thrown in, right? Michael Heiser, uh, who recently died, a wonderful Bible scholar, says Jesus was a basically standing at Satan's front door when he asked his disciples these questions. Who do you say I am amidst all of the gods? And Jesus is drawing out the truth like a syringe. So let's have a look at this video. If you can play that, please, Nick. That'd be... To the north of Israel, near Dan, in a place called Caesarea Philippi. Now, this is a large archaeological site containing elaborate building projects by Herod Philip and Herod the Great's grandson, Agrippa II. Heard it's supposed to rain today. In addition to Roman structures, Caesarea Philippi is also known for Banyas, a collection of springs and pagan worship sites linked to the cult of Pan. Pan, also called the Goat God, was the Greco-Roman god of nature, livestock, and hunting. All things related to wild times, party music, and of course, fertility. Pan was the crazy-looking guy with the hindquarters, legs, and horns of a goat. The centerpiece of this ancient worship site is this huge cliff and grotto, containing the remains of numerous altars, caves, temples and courtyards. This whole area was teeming with Roman mythology and idolatry. It was right here where Jesus, nearing the end of his ministry, asked his disciples one profound question. Who do you say that I am? Thanks for that. Now, when you see Pan, that's where we get the image of the devil from, horns, hooves, and so on. That's where it comes from, right? So this is serious stuff. So the location was deliberate. The question Jesus asked was deliberate. Who do people out there say that the Son of Man is? In other words, what are they saying on the streets about me, right? So the crowds, the newspapers, the fake news Googleites, the elites of society, they say things like one of the prophets, maybe. 
Someone important? Well, fine. Everyone is entitled to their opinion, but truth, truth with a capital T doesn't care about your opinions. Thank God. So Jesus turns, and in that godless place, as you saw, a place of foul idolatry, of false worship and grubby religion, a place that has seen the worship of fake gods for generations peddling their grubby wares for centuries. Jesus then turns as the syringe is being pulled out of the disciples, drawing out the truth. Okay, that's them. But who do you say that I am? What about you? And it's in this moment that Peter gets this amazing divine revelation. He got something right for once. If you read the Gospels, he's always putting his foot in his mouth, Peter is, bless him. That's why we identify with him so much. But on this occasion, in a moment of divine revelation, he sees who Jesus is. You are the Christ, Christos, Messiah, Messiah, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus says, yeah, but don't tell anyone this because it's still got to be kept under wraps so I can perform the ministry. But don't misunderstand this as a, you know, the question, who, 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 what do people say about me? As though it's some kind of whimpering, insecure, psychological glitch that Jesus has. He's not doing it for that like, a, like some kind of insecure do-gooder seeking affirmation. Jesus, meek and mild. No way. This is not about a psychological deficiency. Jesus is saying, who do you think I am in my being, my nature? Who am I? And Peter replies, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And at this point, Jesus whispers, mic drop but the gospel writers didn't hear that so it's not in the gospels but jesus is thinking you got it right for once now we can go to work on what the son of man must accomplish which is dying for the sins of the world for god so loved the world that he gave his only son who is god as well in himself so that we would not perish, but have everlasting life. And in this moment, all the confusion was swept away. The divine syringe of reality had drawn out the fluid of falsity and fake religion and fake news. And for once, Peter confessed ultimate truth. You are the Christ. G.K. Chesterton, who influenced C.S. Lewis, said, if people will not be governed by the Ten Commandments from just one God, then they will be governed by 10,000 commandments from 10,000 gods. That's why Jesus was surrounded by all the gods, the false affections of bad worship at Caesarea Philippi. So as I finish, James and Laura, and anyone else here with a beating heart, which I'm hoping is most of you, all of you, sorry, your heart was made to discover the ultimate concern of life again and again and again. And if you're not a believer here, you're, you were made to exist now 
for that ultimate concern. If you are a believer, it is the pursuit of that ultimate concern, living in light, love, and truth. And pursuing that ultimate concern is to live after life's highest good. You are to grow in the love of God and the grace of Jesus Christ. And you were baptized into his name today. I don't know if you've forgotten. Uh, and every day until he comes back again will be a fight to remember and maintain the ultimate concern that Christ has over your life. This is not just a baptism. Do you want to know what else it is? You do, don't you? It's a declaration of war. And so you've got to fight. At Easter, we baptize Simona. You've got to fight. And Vicky in February. And Jan and Jess, who are, who are here today. You've got to fight. It's a declaration of war. It's an amazing thing. Anyway, I've said something about G.K. Chesterton. I'll say another thing he said. Jesus promised three things to, to those who follow Christ, he says. That they would be completely fearless. Innocent as doves, wise as snakes. Lambs that follow the good shepherd, yes. But with a lion's heart, completely fearless. Absurdly happy. Amen? More laughter in the church, please. Oh, and the third one? In constant trouble. Because <laughs> you're in a battle. You've declared war on the principalities and powers. And you now belong to Jesus Christ, who is 100% God and 100% man. Not a half goat, half man. Not a hybrid of 50-50. 100% God, 100% man. He's your ultimate concern. He is the truth and the source of all of life. And you've died to your sin and now raised in his resurrection life. And I will finish with this quote from Martin Luther, the great reformer. Remember this. We talked about this at our Bible group a few weeks ago. So when the devil throws your sins in your face and declares that you deserve death and hell, what of it? Tell him this. I know, I admit that I deserve death and hell. What of that? For I know one who suffered and made satisfaction on my behalf. His name is Jesus, the Son of God. And where he is, there I shall also be. There's no room for self-righteousness, self-religion, going it alone, faking it. Where Christ is, there I shall also be. Therefore, make Jesus your ultimate concern and your highest good. Now, I'm looking at you two, but I'm talking to everybody, really. Remain in Christ, walk with him, tell others about him, and you will grow in the spiritual disciplines. And God bless you on your baptism day. All glory to Jesus Christ. Father, let your word go out and reap a harvest, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Christ, our ultimate concern.